0: Welcome back, good people. I trust you're doing great. This is episode two of Vanguard Central, and we are back with another great topic this month. I am really excited to have today's conversation, which is on women-owned SMEs and access to finance in Rwanda. So before we jump into it, I'm going to let our guest for today's episode um, introduce themselves.
1: Hello, everyone. Um, Lorraine Monzi here. Um, I'm a Wyoming economist uh, with a Bachelor of Science in Economics. And currently, I'm an analyst at Vanguard Economics, where I have been involved in research projects on different aspects of development economics, mainly on the subject of financial inclusion of different players in the finance market systems, and in today's specific context, women and access to finance. Um, Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for coming in. (laughs) So before we start
0: our conversation, um, I would like to provide a little background by stating the landscape of the business environment in Rwanda. So 40% of all businesses in Rwanda are women-owned, and most of these businesses are micro. So today we want to look at women-owned businesses and understand opportunities and challenges that are unique to them. So, Loren, um, when we talk about um, women-owned SMEs, what do we mean by that,
1: and like, how does the landscape look like for them all right thank you um, alice so let me start first of all by breaking down what is smes Um, when we speak of smes what we essentially mean is small and medium enterprises and according to the ministry of trade and commerce in Rwanda, and um, in their entrepreneurship development policy small enterprises are typically the ones that has between three to twenty number of employees and an annual sales of 1 to 20 million Rwandan francs, whereas medium enterprises, um, they have usually between 20 and 100 number of employees and an annual sales of 20 to 500 million um, Rwandan francs. Um, Now, for women-owned SMEs, of course, then it would be defined as um, an enterprise or a business or firm that is at least 51% owned, operated or controlled on a daily basis by one or more women and of course there's different types of of um ownerships there is sole proprietorship there is partnerships there is multiple um aspects of it and as and when we say women owned we want to basically make sure that we understand that the woman who's in charge has the majority of shares. So at the beginning, um, you stated how just under um, 40% of total businesses, establishments in Rwanda are women-owned, and majority of those women-owned businesses are Mm -hmm. micro-businesses. So now when we say micro-businesses, this is a business that only has one to two employees and Makes less than one million Rwandan francs in annual sales, um, and the landscape in Rwanda, the, the establishment business establishment landscape in Rwanda, is set up that as you so that as you grow larger, mm-hmm. less and less women-owned firms exist, um, because when it comes to large firms, which on average usually have um, more than one hundred employees and make more than 500 million London francs in annual sales, only 15% of those establishments are women-owned. So when we speak of the financial inclusion landscape for women owners of SMEs, unfortunately, this is something that we are unable to do because as you conduct more research, you you will find that that we can only talk about financial inclusion from an individual aspect, Mm -hmm. meaning... Um, we can only talk about women and financial inclusion, but we can't talk about women owners of SMEs and the state of their financial inclusion landscape. Okay. This is because there are no research or data that was conducted or gathered from the angle of women owners of SMEs and financial inclusion. So any insights or analysis that we're, be, we're going to be using during this um, interaction, discussion, mm-hmm. um, is mainly obtained from um, an analysis of NISR data sets, such as the Establishment Census Survey that gives you insights on how many businesses are there in Rwanda and what, what, is the landscape, uh, what does the landscape look like for them, mm-hmm. or FinScope Survey from Access to Finance Rwanda, that talks about uh, financial inclusion from different angles, just not the women owners, SMEs, um, angles. Of course. Um, So yes, um, all of those data sets uh, focus on one specific angle, which is women uh, on an individual level. Um, When we speak of financial inclusion of women as individual, it is very fortunate because the gender gap is closing in Rwanda with Mm -hmm. only... 8% 8% of women who are financially excluded, compared to 7 amongst their male counterparts. Um, however, um, even though I just said or stated that the gender gap is closing down, there are still layers of inclusion that still make it challenging for women to be fully um, financially included.
0: Um, so, we have explored SMEs, we've explored the landscape. Um, I think before we jump into the unique challenges that women face in regards to access to finance, it's only, um, um, I think it will be best to also um, talk about what we mean by access to finance because we have, that's the term that we're going to use so often and we'd like the audience to, you know, understand that.
1: So, what do we mean by when we say access to finance, that term? um yeah that's a that's a very good point um so when we when we speak of access to finance um usually this this is a term that refers to to the possibility that an individual or an enterprise um has to access financial services such as credit deposit payment insurance and other um financial services that are offered um in Rwanda or even in abroad um However, this is when we speak of access to finance. It sounds it sounds easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Um, access to finance can be more can be more challenging for one group of individuals um, within an ecosystem compared to the other. Um, the level of difficulty differs um, across different demographics, geographic location, mm. all of all, all many aspects that we need to consider when we're talking about access to finance. So okay. yeah, okay. Great. So, I
0: think now that we've understood that, um, we can go straight into the unique challenges that women face.
1: When, when it comes to challenges faced by uh, women-owned SMEs, on um, this context, I will actually speak from, from the insights I gathered um, while working on, sure. on a project um, at Vanguard. Um, the project um, related to, ta- to the challenges women-owned SMEs encounter when trying to, uh, to access finance. Um, and those challenges are specifically unique to women, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I will be speaking from the interviews that I've had with women who own their own enterprises mm-hmm. and, and and basically share insights that I, I gathered. And, and to just jump right into it, I think what the main challenge that these women we interviewed kept uh, mentioning was collateral requirement they need to fulfill to be able to to unlock access to financial um, services and financial institutions. Um, Like In in Rwanda, the regulatory framework um, for asset ownership is there. Mm -hmm. It's it's there to protect um, both parties that are um, engaged in the the ownership of, of, of an asset. When you talk about regulatory
0: frameworks for women, what does that look like?
1: Hmm. Yeah, um, so when I, was, um, when I stated that regulatory, uh, regulatory frameworks for women to have agency or decision making over their household assets are there and they exist, what I mean is in Rwanda there is a conducive regulatory framework for women to have agency over how household resources and assets such as the land policy and law and the law governing um, matrimonial regimes and succession. And these policies and laws support the ownership of the most common asset that is used for collateral, which is usually land or a house. Mm. Okay. Um, however, although those um, regulatory frameworks are there, women owners of SMEs have stated they still face limited access, agency decision-making on the usage of the household asset, um, especially when there is a need to use it as collateral to access finance. Um, Reason stated um, during these qualitative interactions being that in most cases, husbands do not trust women enough to give them permission to use the assets as collateral with fear that they may incur a business loss, subsequently losing the assets to the financial institution. So yes, that's, um, that's what we mean by uh, a conducive regulatory framework for women um, right. to have agency.
0: Makes sense, makes sense. So you you just mentioned something very important that I would like us to to deep dive in just a little bit. So this is in regards to married women. Is there any comparison with maybe widowed or single?
1: Yes, of course, um, the decision-making layer is different across different demographics. Um, For example, the marital or educational status of women owners of SMEs plays a big role in the level of agency or decision-making they will have over the usage of household assets. Um, During the qualitative interactions um, with women owners of SMEs, we found that widowed women have, to a certain extent, more agency in the decision-making to use an asset as collateral. They don't require permission from a spouse unless it's a family asset. And even then they have the last word on what is to be done. Um, similarly for single women, they have total control on what to do with their assets that they own uh, um, 100%. Mm-hmm. The only difference com- for them comes, comes in when it's a family asset and there's a presence of an older male figure. Then the, the dynamics are similar to those of a married woman who needs to seek permission from their spouse. Sure, sure.
0: I understand. Um, So, of course, we've talked about collateral access and
1: decision-making. I think those are the two major? Yes. For challenges that are unique for women um, owners of SMEs, collateral was the most reported challenge um, that these women um, encountered. Um, but of course, it's not the only challenge these women we interacted with face. Um, it's just a. But um, there is also like during our our um our research, we found that financial literacy plays a big role as well in in, um, accessing finance and unlocking some different levels and different types of of um finances, financial services, financial products that are out there. Um, where we see that we, most women are not aware of the existence of specific products that are tailored to them um, or tailored to the specific needs of their businesses Mm -hmm. um, where they mainly go and access generic um, types of loans which ends up being a cost to their businesses um if you're if you're not very careful in in um how your which which types of um financial services you're you're going for so financial literacy, definitely findings have showed that there is limited financial literacy when it comes to to uh, women-owned SMEs, And this is mainly because of the women-owned, they're kind of locked in um, in a world where the information does not necessarily get to. They'll, they'll be at the work, and then they don't have the network that facilitates the information oh, flow yeah. to them. Um, okay. They will, And this is mainly because they're always either working or the they're burdened by household activities where they have to go home and that's just the environment that they're going to be into, which limits their mm-hmm. access to information when it comes to financial products and financial mm-hmm. services that are out there and that could be beneficial to their businesses. Um, so, yes. Great. Financial literacy. Yeah, financial literacy. You've added
0: that one as well. So, um, what are like some of the copying mechanisms mm-hmm. that women have used to overcome these challenges, especially women
1: um, owning these SMEs? So one one emerging, um, like one key um, point that I I noticed during the the research that we conducted um, Mm -hmm. was that most women end up preferring informal ways of saving um, compared to um, formal uh, ways of saving. So... Uh, when we speak of formal ways of savings um, we speak of, of it when we're talking about savings that are done through an institution mm-hmm. uh, uh, which has a legal basis mm-hmm. and, and, and subject to regulation by the government whereas informal savings um, is used when an individual does savings through the informal financial institution there are no government regulations and um, And I think one common example of of an informal um, saving is the Village Savings and Loans Associations, Mm -hmm. Um, which is when a group of people just met to save together and they have the possibility to take small loans um, from those savings. Um, So one one coping mechanism that we found um, was that women end up preferring those types of of, of, um, savings because it's it's easier it's immediate and it responds to their needs um immediately Immediately. yeah that's that's one copy mechanism that i noticed
0: um doing all right so um i think now i think a bigger question to explore here i mean even with the audience itself is why do women go for those informal um, savings Mm -hmm. because um, of course it's just more than um, more than it being able to 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 meet their needs immediately
1: as you mentioned Mm -hmm. maybe they could be maybe trust we don't we don't really know yeah so from from an analysis um standpoint um if there was a financial service or product for women owners of SMEs that does not require provision of assets as collateral there would definitely be a higher um, level of uptake of that product or service. Mm, yeah, um, Because it would consider their unique challenges and, and meet their immediate needs. So, I do believe that that's one of the main reasons why women um, prefer informal ways of savings um, over formal ones. Makes
0: sense, makes sense. Um, so I think that's that's it for us I guess Um, this is the conversation we have for you guys and um, thank you so much Lauren thanks for for having me such a great conversation Um, of course you know the drill um, let us know what you think about um, today's episode don't forget to share it subscribe on our um, podcast and yeah see you on the next episode of Vanguard Central do not miss Cheers.